So you're stuffing a raw chicken full of lemon and tarragon, and you're sweating because A, you can fit a lot of lemon and tarragon inside a chicken. And B, your date is arriving soon and you still haven't opened wine or put on music or set the mood. But you do have an Amazon Echo, so you say, Alexa, turn on date night. Okay. And just like that, romantic music begins to play, the lights are dimmed, and all you have to do is pour the wine right after you wash your hands. Thoroughly. Alexa, you're amazing. My pleasure. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. We are being heard right now on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, and so many more channels now. Uh, and everybody watching on Facebook and YouTube, good morning. It's good to see you guys. This is Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude, as I said, brought to you by Omni Group Global. Uh, Man, just an amazing company. Omni Group Global was founded by four entrepreneurs hungry for success. Their dedication and principle is what makes their process unique. Omni Group offers world-class services in the following categories. Sales training, motivational speaking, and keynotes. Their consumer's market includes product and brand development, brand and business consultation, and logistics. And also, I want to give a shout-out to Sababa Water. Um, I've talked about them before and absolutely amazing company. I've had them, Jonathan and his future bride, I think they're getting married this week actually, um, had them on the show and just so you know, it's one, it's an amazing water, but for every bottle of Sababa water you buy, a hungry child gets fed. That's what's up. So good morning, Jane Stewart. Good to see you, my friend. Good morning, Robert. Great to see you. Um, We have an amazing show today. I am... Benadryl drunk still. I gotta tell you, sometimes I just take a Benadryl because I want to sleep super deep and I just don't even care about dreaming. I just want to sleep. Uh, Benadryl has this funny way of just not wearing off in time. So anyway, I'm <laughs> kind of like in Earth 2 right now. Oh man. So you know what? Uh, really quick, I do want to say what I'm grateful for this morning. Um, last week was so crazy. I think I forgot to do it a couple times, but. I had such an amazing experience last night. As you guys know, I'm a part of a leadership academy and we do a lot of different activities out in the community, but there's different classes um, that go before us. And last night we got to experience the Torch Pass 
um, which was that group was finished and they're done and they passed the torch to my group and they raised, I think it was like $165,000 in a month on behalf of service dogs and it was really, really cool and it was inspiring to me um, for what we are going to do for our community service project as a group. Um, it's just so amazing to see that many people come together for one cause and just, you know, do whatever it took to get the job done. And it was just really inspiring to me. So I'm very grateful for that. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is an international award-winning entrepreneur. She's won 20 awards. She's a re renowned international leadership speaker, MC, and business consultant. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but I'm going to give it a best shot. Nadine Logwa retired and was a millionaire at the age of 41 from her financial business and also became a real estate investor and mentor. She's a former champion motorcycle racer at 180 miles per hour. Wow! Switched to eight knots and became a champion yacht racer. Holy crap. She trains and empowers businesses and employees worldwide on leadership, achievement, high success, champion mindset, business and marketing to increase productivity, build systems with her prosperity racing system. Nadine's passion, energy, knowledge, and experience whilst performing live songs during her trainings guides and transforms her teams at 180 miles per hour. She's been featured in Forbes, USA Today, ABC, Fox, and CBS Money Watch. She's a number one best-selling author of Win the Race of Life, four-time book award finalist from USA London. Nadine also co-authored with Les Brown, another number one bestseller, Fight for Your Dreams. Nadine was featured in magazines along with Oprah Winfrey, Donald Trump, and Zig Ziglar, and shared with the TEDx California Women's Conference stages among top speakers in the United States, Canada, Africa, India, and Canada, including Jamie Lee Curtis, Les Brown, Tom Hopkins, Dadgum, Marsha Cross, Jeanne Houston, Marianne Williamson, Stedman Graham, Michael B. Begwith, and Dr. John Gray, Adam Markle, Bernie Dorfman, holy geez, just to name a few. This is amazing. From suicidal to champion in many, year, many areas of life and business, she acquired many challenges, fell down many times, and got back up to reach a new level in life to become a high achiever. She lately switched from champion motorcycle racer at 180 miles an hour to champion yacht racer at eight knots. In addition to my, her consultant business, speaking engagements, real estate investments, and client mentorship. Holy gee, she's accomplished. I have a best, she's a best-selling book that is based on her life experience entitled How to Win the Race of Life with Balance and Passion at 180 miles an hour. Holy crap. This is a badass woman right here. Ladies and gentlemen, bring Nadine to the show. Good morning, Nadine. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm so so happy to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Holy! I got great energy. That that would be fun. I gotta tell you something. That is quite the accomplishment. How in the heck did you find time to do all that? <laughs> uh, I would say my secret number one is I don't watch TV since '99. So I save a lot of time. A lot of people are watching 30, 35 hours of TV, which. I prefer, uh, I prefer doing sport than watching them. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Well, hey, first things first, uh, Nadine, what are you grateful for this morning? I'm grateful for my health. Uh, I think 
nothing without health, you cannot accomplish anything. And every morning, every night, I just, I'm just grateful for my health. That's awesome. So, okay. So I, I'm so, I mean, like there's every bit of your background I'm just enamored with. <laughs> it's so amazing. So how in the world, okay, I guess we got to talk about racing first because that is just such a, that's, 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 I'm, I'm scared to walk across the street. Like I'm the most dangerous person in a car, much less a motorcycle. And here you are racing at 180 miles an hour. Like where, when did this love for racing happen? Did you discover it as a child? Actually, I asked my dad to buy a bike uh, when I was 16. And the first ride, I drove the bike, so I never got my driver's license. And I was a volleyball player, and I went to the Canadian Championship in volleyball, and I broke my knee five times. So the fifth time, I still went to the Canadian Championship, and I said, oh, there's probably no way I can get better than that with the fifth knee injury and the surgery and all that. So I bought my bike the day before my surgery, put it in my living room, and I was 31 years old at that time when I got my driver's license. And two years later, I was on the racetrack. I was already crazy on the street. I wanted a bike since I'm 14 years old. Each time I'm seeing a bike, each time I was driving with my friends, I was loving it. And I was really dancing with the bike, so that's why the guys always wanted me on their back because they couldn't feel me. Right. So I went on the bike and right away in the first three, four months, I got crazy on the street and my friends said, hey, you would kill yourself if you punch me like that. Did it, so did two of my friends, they suggest we buy a bike, the three of us. And uh, one guy was in the fast group, one in the middle, and I was in the slow group and right away I was really good. So they said, okay, now you need to go buy a bike and now you need to do the women's series next year, which I did the last race. Finished on my first race, I said, okay, here we go again. Competition, wow. adrenaline, and high achievement. That's what I love. So, did anyone tell you that you're a girl and you can't do this? Like, you're crazy, you're going to hurt yourself, you're just a woman, you shouldn't be racing. Did you hear that a lot? All the time. And even when I was at the racetrack, uh, even when I went to the Grand National Championship, like, all the guys out there and they kind of look at you, of course, you have four or five girls who are about 400, 500 guys. So of wow. course we have a lot of people attracted to us because we are women and also everybody wants to give you advice and uh, one lesson that I learned from that is never learn from a coach that is slower than you because many times I went to racetrack because you are a girl they think you are slow and they give you advice and advice and finally after a couple of sessions or half a day I was passing most of the guys and they were like Oh, you should have told me that I, was, that, that, that I was good. I said, I never asked for your advice. Or even when I asked, I listened. And at the beginning, I was taking all the advice. But how many times it happens in your life, in your finance or in business, you ask advice to your, your boyfriend or your family or your brother-in-law that they know nothing about what you're trying to accomplish. And it's a big lesson in life. Never listen to a coach that is slower than you. I love that. Um, okay, so you go from championship racing, and typically you would think, all right, well, I'm going to go from motorcycle racing to jumping out of airplanes, but you chose yacht racing. How in the heck did you segue into that? Uh, actually, I got four conditions, one curl in motorcycle racing, and uh, that was in 
my last big crash was in 2008, and two, three years later, I kind of quit motorcycle racing. And for two, three years, I didn't find any sports. You know, I tried golf, I tried a bunch of sports, and but I am a team, a team player, so I like to be with a lot of people. So that's why I love volleyball and yacht racing. And finally, uh, I met my ex-husband at that time, and uh, he introduced me to yacht racing, and everybody wanted me on their team because they knew I had the champion mindset. And another thing, another thing I will share with your uh, your people later: how to get that champion mindset. In the first year, in ten months, I was on five winning boats. Hey, first, wait, really, really quick. I I want to encourage because I do know I know enough about you to know that everyone listening right now on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, Spreaker, Anchor, Google Play, everyone listening on and watching on YouTube and Facebook, get a notepad. Like, get a notepad. You're going to want to take notes. I've never, I've never actually said that in 156 episodes of the show. I've never said, get your notepad. I'm telling you right now, Selena, Bonnie, Jane, everybody listening, Robert, get your notepads. It's about to get interesting. Okay, so, <laughs> so yacht, you go in yacht racing, and what would you say, And because I, I, I'm really ignorant towards that, but I've seen it on TV, and it looks like it's really, really challenging. But it's not just hanging out on a boat. It literally takes everyone playing a role to their maximum ability. So what was the key as a leader? Because you are a leader. There's without a shadow of a doubt that you are a leader. What would you say was the most important to get everyone to their maximum level? What did you have to do as a leader to get everyone prepared to run at a championship level in yacht racing? Talk. A lot of people they say, Oh, I'm good, I'm this and that, and finally you don't know nothing. At the beginning, I'm like, Okay, I don't know nothing, but I want to learn. Right. Because I want to learn, I got those five secrets of the high achiever with the champion mindset that I want to share. I think it's the right time for that. The first one is focus. So I'm on the boat, I'm new, I just focus and look at everybody, every detail. Adrenaline is having fun, having that passion. Waking up in the morning and what makes you smile? <laughs> and go, you are on the water and it's really fun. And all my life I wanted to be on boats and I never had any chance. And now I'm on boats like three, four times a week. The third one is, so first one, focus, adrenaline, discipline. So having the discipline to arrive at the boat, I'm always the first one in the boat, learn how to rig the boat. You know? You are, you are a beginner, I was a beginner at that time, and I learned every position, what do they do when they arrive at the boat. It's about the preparation. The fourth one is coaching. Being coached by the best coach ever. La creme de la creme. How many people get coached in business and finance and real estate by coaches that they are coaches but because they are not able to be successful in what they are doing, so they transform themselves into a coach. Right. Right from the coach who are able to walk their talk. And the last one is practice. Practice, practice, practice. I don't know how many women uh, I inspire also in racing motorcycle and in boats who are racing of 15 years, you are asking me, how come you are on bow after your first year and you are asked by many folks? It's because of that champion mindset and that attitude of, hey, 
I don't know what I'm doing, but I want to learn every piece of it. And when you pay attention, and when you have that, that global micro vision, and this is exactly the same thing in business. Stop focusing on the little cracks into the, into the pavement or, or the little bumps that you have in life or in business. Look at the big goal, the big why, and we talk about that a lot. You are like me, you are a speaker and a coach. We talk about, hey, your why needs to be bigger than your problem. Because if the problems are bigger than your why, you will always fail and you always stop what you're doing. And for me, that was to find another sport, find another competition, having fun, and having people around me. I don't like tennis, it's kind of just one or two people. I don't like golf so much. But I like to be surrounded by people who are winners, and the best you surround yourself with winners, the best you will be. When you see when you see a leader in somebody, like you have a teammate, and you you are able to see them at their highest self, and you see them at this powerful as a powerful leader, but yet they're playing small, or they're they're just not they're not where they should be. They should be they should you know just be running at a higher level. What would you say the secret is to helping them get where they need to be, to elevate them? Yeah, to elevate them, the best way to do is, of course, give them compliments. Like, give them positive feedback. Even if they do a mistake, it's always better to say, hey, you know, next time, maybe if you would do that this way or this way, that would be better. Instead of focusing on their mistakes, and I know it's really hard, and I would coach myself and sometimes we get caught into focusing on the mishap or the mistakes we did. But it's always better to be a constructive, positive, hey, next time maybe we should do that that way. What do you think? Right. So try to get them involved in the process. And, or you can even ask a question, hey, you know, what happened there? What do you think you could have done better? Right. And that empower them to kind of think for themselves, hey, what could I've done? And people are not stupid, you know, like when we make a mistake, we know, we know, and we are kind of thinking to each other, to ourselves, hey, what can I do next time? So as a leader, when you aren't at your best, when you're struggling, you're running about 90% instead of 120 what what in those situations because we have several people that are leaders i know dan mccluskey right now that's watching john selena they're jane stewart these are leaders in their field but there's days that they're weak they don't feel as strong and they're not at their best what do you recommend because you are a champion in every sense of the word what do you recommend when you have those moments where you're you just don't have your best as a leader what do you do Uh, on my website when, when you will download the, the free training, I have a picture of me crashing on the bike. Oh. It's kind of six or seven pictures of me crashing in the bike. And the best way to do it is like, usually crashes are never as hard as we think. <laughs> you just need to get up, you need to regroup, oh my God. and you need to go back. As fast as you can go back on the race bike or on your life or on your challenges, you just need to sit down, regroup, and 
learn from those lessons and get back on track. And sometimes it's really hard and sometimes you don't have the confidence, you don't feel the bike, you don't feel the energy, but you need to get the bike up, fix it up, put some fiberglass on it, patch the hole, patch the wound that you have inside yourself and just go back on track. And when you go back on track, you probably don't go at 180 miles per hour, you probably go at 120. Getting back and practice again, focus, adrenaline, discipline, coaching, and practice. Practice again. Go again around the corner. Go again. Make that phone call. Make that sales call. Uh, talk to your uh, HR department. Hey, how can I improve my relationship with my colleagues? Because it's kind of ruining my life right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about learning and getting back up on the body. So... Athletes have a different mentality than non-athletes. That it's it's part of the DNA that I think we have. We have coaches. We're coached up from an early age, where it's don't quit, keep going, do another wind sprint, do another pull up, do another push up, go 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 go. You got this. That's in our DNA. So we're we like that. Like, let's go, let's go. We like that. But yet, there's some people that are more analytical thinkers that are not, they didn't grow up in sports. They didn't, they didn't grow up with those coaches. They were probably more apt to, you know, maybe they played an instrument. Maybe they, maybe they didn't do much of anything. They were just a good student. How do you recommend working with people like that that are not athletes and have that different mentality? in a relationship, you can see it because as you say, it's kind of go, go, go. And don't time for whining and just to go back. <laughs> you know? it's, just, it's just funny like that. But one of the things we learn as an athlete is having a coach. Every athlete has a coach. Tiger Wood has a coach, the best hockey player, the best football player. How come in business, how come in life, and how come in our spiritual life, we don't have a coach? Oh my God! It's a mentality that people have to change. And a lot of people in business, they don't want a coach because they know it all. No, we have already, if you're one of the best in the world, the number one in the world, you need to learn. And we need coaches. And I always recommend to all my clients, you need three coaches. Personal, professional, and spiritual and sometimes like when I wrote my book and I wanted to become a number one bestseller I I was with Les Brown which is one of the best in the world <laughs> yeah he I is learned from him how to make my book a number one bestseller you see it's all about learning from the creme de la creme we say in French and I think the switch for the people who are not athletes to get that success because most of the successful people, they are they were athletes at some point in their life. Sure. A lot of them. Oh yeah. Because of that coaching and that ability to learn attitude. Do whatever it takes. Whatever the coach is telling you, you try it. Sometimes it doesn't fit. Like me when I start to be a speaker and I sing during my speech and I coach, people were telling me you need to choose between become a speaker over a singer and forget about a motorcycle racing, nobody loves that. And by the way, with your accent, in 2007 I barely spoke English, 
and I wanted to become an international speaker, they said, how dare can you even think you will be able to accomplish that? Five days, day by day, I was on TEDx, one of the most recognized platforms in the world, and I barely spoke English in 2007. Why? Because oh I have that stubbornness attitude of do whatever it <laughs> And to be a good entrepreneur is to be stubborn into what you think. And I try what the coach was telling me to be a speaker or a singer and forget the motorcycle. I tried it for a few months. It didn't work out. It didn't match with my core value. But you always need to try until finally it really doesn't fit. You've got kind of fighting inside yourself. And that's where you say, okay, now I kind of learned from that lesson and now I'm moving on something maybe a little different. And you, it's always about adaptation. You need to be flexible and adapt yeah. on everything you do in life. But yet be stubborn with your resiliency and your willingness to not give up, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. God, you are, you are so inspiring to me. I, you are the female, female Arnold Schwarzenegger, basically. I mean, in the sense of, you know, you, you battled with, you know, obviously having the accent and not speaking English. You know, you wanted to be an international superstar, which you are. And I mean, it, this is so amazing. Like I'm sitting here looking at the people you spoke with, the, 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 your success. And yet at the same time, I know that there's failure wrapped up in there because obviously you would not have had that resiliency and that toughness that you have without failure. What, what would you say the big, I hate, I hate wording it this way, but the, probably the most catastrophic failure, the one that you thought, this is it, I'm done, I can't come back from this, and you wanted to give up, but then all of a sudden that voice starts talking to you, get up, get up, keep going, keep going, keep going. Tell me about a time in your life that that moment happened, where it just seemed like it was over. Yeah, thank you for bringing that, because it's part of my mission, and it's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing, inspiring people, my books, my speaking, and all that, because in 95, I almost committed suicide, and all my life, supposedly since I'm four or five years old, I was saying, hey, life is not better than that, go to school, wake up, and all that, I would kill myself at 25. So three weeks before my 25th birthday, I got a pneumonia. And I got really lost all my energy. I was sick for three weeks. I lost 18 pounds. And I was sitting on the couch one day after the hockey game that I was playing. I watched the TV, which I barely never watched even before 99. And that TV host said, that was a suicidal uh, awareness episode. And she said, if you want to commit suicide, you can do it. But you need to call at least one friend. And I was crying until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and finally woke up. I finally uh, woke my mom up. I called her. I said, hey, I'm done. I'm just done. Thank you for everything you've done. I have good parents, good everything. But even if I was good at everything, I had the big hole inside. And I know a lot of people, probably 66%, I think, all the way in their life, thought about suicide at one point. And that big hole, you cannot explain it. It's um, impossible to explain how do you feel and that morning that's what I did I called my mom she listened to me with her heart with her soul and if there is one thing that people can remember from that show it's this song 
When you doubt and trouble and you need some loving care and nothing, nothing so right. You've got a friend, oh yeah, you've got a friend. How in the so how in the world did you learn how to sing? <laughs> Where did you find time for that? That was my first passion. I started piano really? lesson at five years old. I, I was composing my own song at eight or nine years old. I wanted to be a singer, and uh, at fourteen, I was sitting in the ensemble for the Pope. Did I you say the Pope? Forum of Montreal. She signed for the Pope, and I was there in the first ten row. I had. I resolved my tickets really early because my hope was the singer will get sick so I can raise my hand. <laughs> so that was my dream. And when I was going to see the hockey, like <coughs> this event, and when I was going to a hockey game or any kind of sport when they sang the national anthem, I was hoping somebody would be sick so I could sing or play the piano and sing the national anthem. Which finally I accomplished when I was probably 30, 35, 36 years old. I sang a lot of uh, national anthem uh, pre games for uh, different races in motorcycle and cars and, and both races. Wow. So it's all about your dreams. Whatever the dream is at the beginning, it may be not what will happen. I got two albums as a singer and I'm a really good singer, artist, entertainment, so that's why I bring that into my speaking. Into when I go when I do the MC, I am doing the live entertainment instead of playing the playing the DJ. So everything in life can be transformed, and as I said before, adapt and be flexible. Like on a motorcycle racing, when you are under, around the racetrack and somebody crash in front of you, you need to be flexible and just get out of it. I so what do you say to the people? turn this down um what do you say to the people that say that you need to focus on one thing and one thing only and just focus your attention on that and nothing else what do you say to that because you have done more things in a lifetime than i think about five thousand people i know collectively A new era of of being able to multitask. And when I talk about multitask and why I'm able to do so many things, it's because again you focus on one thing. Let's say for two hours or for the morning, I focus on my real estate business. But don't try to go from real estate to finance to sport. It's all about segmenting your day or your week. And sometimes people say, okay, I do one day real estate and the other day I do speaking. When I put my radio interview, my TV interview and all that, I'm trying to put all that on Monday or Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Because I know Wednesday night, Thursday night, I'm racing. So I know Wednesday and Thursday are kind of easiest day. Monday and Tuesday is kind of focused, adrenaline, discipline, coaching and practice. It's all about being focused in one thing at a time. And on motorcycle racing, that's what we do. One practice we go and we focus on, let's say, number three. You need to be in the corner a little bit more inside of that pass, like two inches. 
that precise. Wow. You need to focus on one thing for 20 minutes. You have to do the other 13 or 14 corners, but you focus on one. The next corner, you focus on your second weak spot. And you do that for all the weekend. By the time the race is coming, all the corners finally are coming together. But if you focus on two corners, on corner three and you're in corner one, you will crash and you will die. So motorcycle is extreme. So that's why I use that as a metaphor when I speak and, and when I train people because it's so powerful, people kind of realize, oh yeah, I was trying to do this, but I have phone call for that. And you can never focus on it. And that's the way to be multitask and to be a renaissance woman, a renaissance man, to be able to focus on many things, but not exactly at the same Make sense? Oh, no, it makes perfect sense because I'm one of those people that have a lot of different interests and I work in a lot of different industries. To me, it's always about the one thing. And for me, what I focus on, because I'm able to work in and help people in a lot of different industries, but for me, I take it down to focusing on the one thing and that is, how can I help you? You know, how can I support you? And then from there I go, okay, and then I go find a way to make it happen. Like that has just always been my attitude since I was a little kid. It's just, it's ingrained in me, but it's allowed me to work and learn about so many different industries that it makes my life really, really enjoyable. And then of course, my passion is speaking, uh, doing this show, doing television. Like I love, you know, interviewing people like yourself. Cause I mean, God, you are so, in Honest to God, I have to say something. I, 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 I didn't see your bio until this morning, right before we went on, and I'm going, no way, no way. You were literally the most inspiring person I've ever had on the show because what it says to me is, I can do, I can do all that. I can do anything I want to do. You are proof that anything that you can dream in your heart, in your mind. And, and you put the energy towards, you can make happen. You are proof of that. You are also proof that you can be, have broken bones, broken neck, broken collarbones. You can be on your last leg in a hospital bed and still get up and go fight again. You are proof of that. And like that to me is, is so what being a human being is all about. It's amazing. It's so inspiring. Like I, I Dadgummit, it makes, and it wants me to elevate my game even more. I, I'm just so blown away by this. So let me ask you, now that you've, you've now become a number one best-selling author and you're just one of the best business coaches there is, business consultants on the planet, like what do you, what do you get more satisfaction out of? Winning championships in, in racing or is it coaching and mentoring uh, in, in business? Actually, uh, one of the things I love the most is seeing the eyes of the people that I can transform. Ooh. You know, when you are on stage, and like when I'm on stage, the bigger is the stage, the bigger is I'm on fire. Like, I'm on fire. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of, uh, and when you see the people you transform, you see in their body language that they are starting to open. And even when I go to school, like teenagers, you know, I bring that suicidal episode to make them realize, hey, I was in your shoe. There is hope. Like, get right. up. Right. And when I see those students, often they are, when I go to different schools, they say, oh, like that class, they are really, they are really hard to make. 
maintain order and all that. I said, don't worry, let me deal with that. And when I know that, I just speak more from my heart. And the heart to heart, the soul to soul, that's what helps people. That's what transforms people. And that's one of the qualities that I have. I'm still a number of person, and I'm so, and a lot of people, you don't even know like everything that I accomplished because I walk the talk. They just see my energy. And as I said, the champion mindset, when you arrive on the boat or when you arrive in the place, here's the people turning off to you to look at you like you have good energy or you don't. And sometimes, I, like everybody, I have my bad days, I have my bad months, and I have my bad years too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you couldn't believe what I went through in the last few years. But it's all about getting that energy up and breathing. And I and I remember this morning, just before the show, you were breathing because it's what reconnects us into our heart, into our soul, in our mission. <laughs> You saw a little bit about what I, yeah, most people don't see what I do behind the camera when I start because honest to God, I, it, I pray before every interview and I breathe because I, like, I don't plan questions and I don't plan anything and I want it to be an organic conversation and authentic. And sometimes when I feel like a little, you know, out of my head, taking that time to breathe and just kind of ground myself and then pray right before I go on allows me to have a more a better interview. And it's not always perfect, but it, 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 it at least I feel more in control of myself and how I'm you know acting, the questions I'm asking. I'm trying to be thoughtful and respectful, of course, of your accomplishments and everything that you've done. So I yeah, you got to see a little bit about that. I um I want to ask you because for me. My morning routine is everything to me. And you were talking about having a spiritual coach. Like I don't have a spiritual coach other than my faith and you know going to church and doing my, my quiet time. But I wanna ask you because I, for me, without my morning routine, I think I would be a crazy person. <laughs> and I'm borderline crazy anyway. Um, what, what is your morning routine? Like what is the morning routine of a champion like yourself? Really? In the morning, but I have more routine at night because I'm a night owl. I go to bed at three o'clock in the morning. Oh wow! But let's say, like when I was racing or when I am working on a real estate project and all that, I'm kind of more focused because now I have something physical to work with. I'm semi-retired from my first business, so many times, like in the last few weeks, I don't have a project, so I don't work a lot. Then it's all about. Doing your gratitude, your five gratitude before I go to bed, I do that. And in the morning, it's always about thank you and what a beautiful day to be filled by love, energy, and abundance. Mm. This is the I have the first thing I say in my head when my when my alarm clock uh, get uh, get up. And uh, sometimes I meditate, not lately, but I know I need to go back to that. But uh, it's all about uh, being being in peace I would say I got through so many stuff in the last few years now I'm kind of more relaxed and in the morning I just get up and I can just lay in bed for another hour and I, I have no problem with that but when I have something to do like this morning I was up shower makeup and all that it's just like when you have something to do you need to focus on it 
And as you said, the, the breathing is a good part of it. And when I was motorcycle racing, of course, I was the only person on the planet like being around my motorcycle and breathing and do my meditation and do my, my bubble protection. The, the <laughs> I know what you're talking about. support what you just said by saying this I when I speak on stage or I go to an event um, you know when I'm working events like uh, you know the Grammys the Emmys things like that and and I'm just around all of those people like I have a really big aura and energy that I just let out because I'm having so much fun but I noticed this pattern is I would, after that event was over, after I spoke, after I did whatever, when I would get home, I would be depressed for three days. And I couldn't, I wouldn't want to get out of bed. I was so awful. And I had someone tell me, and I did not believe it, okay? I did not believe this was to be true. But they said, when you are on stage or you are at an event, you need to pretend that you are in a bubble where you don't let all of your energy out into the world because you're giving it to other people and you don't get it back. So if you just keep that bubble around you, then you'll notice that you won't have those problems. And so now what I've, what's happened for me is when I do speak or I'm around people where I get really passionate and I'm wanting to like release this energy into somebody, I start putting my hand over my chest just to remind me to kind of keep it in just enough. And it is, I swear to you, I cannot explain it. I don't know the science behind it. I know nothing. But ever since I've started doing that, and, and people that know me and have seen me recently have noticed that I do this when I start speaking, it, it, it keeps me from beginning depressed. It keeps me from having those crazy mood swings or being completely depleted of my energy. Again, I don't understand it. But I just know that it's working for me. It, it, it's unbelievable. And you really have a good point, and I agree with you. And one of the things that, especially when we are a speaker, we so want to give back. <laughs> we so want to transform. 
inform other people. That's that's our mission. That's right. why we are on the planet. But one of the good thing also is to visualize the energy from the earth to the to the to the sky. Mm-hmm. So like that you have your bubble and kind of pillar like around you and your bubble. So I always do both. The that's pillar awesome. and the bubble around it. So now the energy is flowing up and down, and also you're, you're, you're expressing yourself, you're giving, but you're kind of limiting your your waste of energy. You just protect yourself with that bubble. Yeah, and then when you do need to channel your energy into something, it can be more of a direct, like laser-pointed, you know, direct hit, but you're not depleting yourself in the process. Or at the very least, you're able to recharge faster. And you are self-conscious of... We are ready to give, but we need to keep our energy for ourselves to be able, because it's like being an athlete. How many athletes, when we got injured, like my volleyball, I was for two years and a half depressed because of my knee injury. You know, it's like when we are athletes or when we are having that big adrenaline rush, when you come back home, all musicians, they have that too. They go back home, they are not on tour for a couple of weeks and they, they are depressed. Because we are giving a lot of energy, but we need to keep it for us too. Uh, hold on, really quick. Dr. Garcia says, Josh, do your hands get sweaty too, coming from your future bride? Um, yeah, now that I'm doing that, Dr. Garcia, yes, my hands are getting sweaty. What is that all about? They they do energy work. <laughs> Dr. Garcia and his lovely, his lovely future wife, Veronica. Um, yeah, I'm learning, I'm learning so much about myself as I'm go I'm in I'm in the middle of a an emotional intelligence or leadership emotional intelligence uh, course and so I'm almost to four months and I've in this process I've learned so much about myself and and what God called me to do and what my and we all again I want to make this I want to preface this statement by saying God gave all of us gifts we all have a very powerful gift it's just whether we choose to use it, understand it, believe in it, and then, and then of course, use it. I'm learning and understanding what mine is, and it is powerful. And then I met someone else like me that I've known, but we randomly started having a conversation yesterday about this very thing about energy. And like I didn't really know how we were going to bond, to be honest with you, but now we have this in common so it's really good to be able to communicate with somebody about where we're at, what's coming up for us, and, and that thing. Because we all, every single one of us, like Dan, Dr. Garcia, Bonnie, like God, Selena, God gives us an amazing gift. And it's just a matter of do we choose to discover it, choose to use it, and or not? Yeah, and, uh, and as you said, when you discover it, and a lot of people, they don't even pay attention to what is their gift. They just go 9 to 5 or working all week long and after that, it's kind of like uh, having fun or, or do whatever they want. But one of the things, once you are in that search, of, and I was on a spiritual quest from 1999 to 2004, like intense, like three, four weeks, like three, four weeks in a month, I was in personal growth development seminars, leadership training, business training, and all that. But a lot of people are going from seminar to seminar, but they don't take action. So one of my people is taking action every place or every radio show you're listening like that. 
one action on whatever we are talking about. Mm -hmm. And the second thing to do is to become an expert in your industry. We were talking about being multitasked, but you cannot be multitasked until you have mastered at least one industry. You will never be a champion a second time if you're not champion a first time. So freaking so true. You need to to be an expert in your industry. You do whatever it takes to be to be recognized in your industry. And once this is accomplished, now you take that uh, that accomplishment and you just extend it with different layers, with different genres. And me, my first one was in piano. I was five years old when I became a pianist. And I was, uh, I broke my knee five times when I became a champion volleyball player. And after that, I switched in motorcycle. And in between, I was mathematics top 25% in Canada and business. And, but once you master one, now you can walk your talk. And that's the problem in a lot of industries. A lot of people are saying a lot of things, but they never accomplish it by themselves. Oh, that's amazing. Once you accomplish it, it's so much more in line with your energy, with, with your focus, and people are attracted to you because of that energy and that. It's not just self-confident, because you can be self-confident before you accomplish something, but it's kind of more self-being, I would say. Yeah. Nadine, you're amazing. Um, we were about to get cut off by the radio, and... So I don't want that. I don't want the radio audience to 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 miss out on the end. But I, you are amazing. I I would love to have you back on again. I would like to dive further into your prosperity racing system. Um, I want to. I would love to have a discussion about that. And there's really a lot more that we can talk about. But um, I really, it is. I, I'm so thankful for you giving me the time today. Um, you were truly inspiring. I can't wait. I'm going to go download your course <laughs> now because you, you're truly amazing. Um, so, but for coming on the show today, I'm going to give you a giraffe. A what? A giraffe. A giraffe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a, yeah, and, and, and you, you get to feed it too, but you cannot sell it and you cannot give it away. What are you going to do with it? Okay. Nadine, you're a blessing. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye, Nadine, everybody. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I It always makes me laugh. I really need to get a real draft to just start giving people because eventually people are going to go like, yeah, you never give me a draft. I'm not giving a real draft. But it's always funny to see what people say. She's so inspiring. Holy crap. Like what? Like my to-do list is not big enough today. I don't know, man. That that was awesome. That's so cool. What an amazing woman. <sighs> yeah, that was the sh that was the that was the shot in the arm I wanted this morning. Unbelievable. Hey, you guys uh, everybody listening right now and watching, you guys share this video. I I honestly have never I never had an interview from the beginning to the end that had more wisdom in it in my life. So please share this video out.
like for real tag somebody that you know needs to hear it because frankly I think I know about 5,000 people that need to hear this really I mean there's really more than that that was awesome what an accomplishment alright guys thank you so much um, thank you for the day thank you for all the likes the comments uh, we'll go through and say what's up to everybody Dan, Bonnie Dr. Garcia Veronica you guys rule uh Dan, Stephen, Gordon, my man, John, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for watching. What a day. It's laundry day. And even though you know there are no zombies in your basement, because you're an adult and zombies are not real, you still can't bring yourself to turn the light off before you go up the stairs due to the creepy hand that will not grab your ankle because, again, zombies are not real. Plus, you have an Amazon Echo, so you wait till you get safely to the top of the stairs and say, Alexa, turn off the basement light. And the basement light goes off, and you continue upstairs alive. Alexa, lock the door. Okay. Thank you.